and welcome to this workshop on mental health and self-love recovery. I have entitled this workshop, The Journey to Emotional and Spiritual Healing and Freedom. Now, this workshop will be divided in two sections. Section number one, the sowing of evil seeds. In this first section, we will unmask the enemy and the work that he has been successfully doing for almost 6,000 years. Section number two, from a trash can to a vessel of honor. And we will go through seven steps to embrace our journey to emotional, spiritual healing and freedom. Now, there are two fundamental aspects of this workshop, very important. Throughout this class, I will be open, transparent, and vulnerable as well. More than just sharing concepts and ideas with you, I will be sharing real life stories. And I will be sharing what the Lord has been teaching me throughout my personal journey to emotional, spiritual healing, and freedom. A journey I embraced eight and a half years ago. Number two, the purpose of this class is not condemning or blaming anyone. I wanna say one more time, the purpose of this class is not condemning or blaming anyone. We are not here to put the blame on our parents, on our pastor, on our uh, friend, on anyone. If we wanna blame someone, we will blame the sower of evil seeds because he is the one responsible for the evil we see in our world today. But, we will learn the importance of taking responsibility on the things that have damaged us emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and even, and even physically, okay? Remember, you are not responsible for what gets to you. You are responsible for what you decide to keep. All right. And I have prepared a class, a dynamic for all of you. And I would like to ask my husband and Debbie if they will help me to pass this around. All right, very well. Excellent. Now, before I give you instructions on what to do on this page, I would like to tell you a story. Unfortunately, because we don't have enough time, I'm not going to go through the whole story because it's a long story. So I'm gonna share just a short, brief part of this beautiful story. So this um, took place back in the year of 2018, the year I met my beloved husband. So about Four or six days after I met him, one day as I'm walking by through the laundry room and he's there washing his clothes by hand, he stops me. And in a very polite way, he said, Sister Martika, may I ask you a question? And I'm like, yes, brother, you can ask anything. <laughs> Let me tell you something. 
he looked very serious. <laughs> like if he's about to say something important, right? So um, he looked at me and he said, where and how do you see yourself in five years from now? Ooh, that's a very important question, right? Especially after just five days, six days after you meet someone for the first time, right? So he was really straightforward. Where and how do you see yourself in five years from now? Now, would you like to know what I replied? Yes. In five years from now, I see myself loving you more than what I love you now. Well, that's very sweet, but no, of course not. That's not what I replied. <laughs> no, that's not what I replied. <laughs> now, do you want to know what I replied? <laughs> Without hesitation, I replied, in five years from now, I see myself in the mission field, working for the Lord, serving the Lord. I also see myself married, with children, perhaps. And then I added, where, with whom, how, I do not know. <laughs> but this is how I see myself in five years from now. Let me tell you something. This next December, it will be five years since he asked me this very important question. And here we are in the mission field, serving the Lord together. Isn't God good? He's really good now this morning i want to dare you all with the same question where and how do you see yourself in five years from now so here this hand the drawing of this hand represents you and each finger represents a year so i want you to write down five life goals on how do you see yourself in five years from now. You have three minutes, your time starts now. <laughs> okay, now, I want you to stop for a second. I don't want you to write things like, in five years from now, I see myself becoming a millionaire. Something like that. There is nothing wrong about becoming a millionaire if you use that money to glorify God. But remember, this is a mental health class. So I want you to keep your focus on mental, spiritual, and emotional life goals. All right? Okay, time's up. How important it is to know who you are and have a clear vision of where are you going. Actually, one of God's invitations for us today is keep your vision clear, right? It's important, especially in the world we are living in today, it's important for us to know who we are before God, the purpose of our lives. But that's not enough. Taking a step back, taking a step to look to what is coming in your future is important. But taking a step back into your past, it's a very honorable thing to do. Mm. 
Most of the time we worry about what's coming next, right? Tomorrow, next year, in six months. But what about the things we have let in the past? Any unresolved issues late in your past will have a negative impact on your, of, on your dreams and life goals. Very important. If we want to move ahead, it's important that we take a step back into the past to see what unresolved issues are there. So we worked on them, and in that way, we can move in a healthier way, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, to what is coming ahead. Now, let's begin after this introduction. Let's begin our topic for this morning, the sower of evil seeds, unmasking the enemy. Now, throughout this first section, we will see specifically one kind of seed. There are so many evil seeds that, that this sower have managed to plant in this world. But in this class, we are going to focus on just one. And I want you all to help me identify this evil seed. Now, in order for us to understand the work that he has been doing and how he has managed to work for 6,000 years throughout generations in the heart of many families, we need a real story. Okay, and for this, I have requested a very special friend of mine, if she would allow me to share her story for the benefit of this class. And she said yes. So thank you, friend, for your willingness to be open, transparent, and vulnerable as well, because it's not easy to open up and share from your story. Now, the purpose of doing this is because if we could trace a wound back long enough, we might see that it follows long many weaknesses and damaged emotions that have been passed through imperfect genes, imperfect parenting, and imperfect fulfillment. That's why we are taking a step back into the past, because all these things together will take us to the point and to being able to trace and identify these seeds, these evil seeds. Now, we will hide our friend's identity for now, but she will be represented by this glass of pure water. So this is our friend right now, and she will be placed here, all right? You can change a dysfunctional behavior, behavior pattern of many years until you understand what it is and where it comes from. The deeper the understanding of, etern of internal processes, the more suitable is the therapeutic healing experience to produce positive results. So this is why we are going straight into the heart of this story. So we can have positive, results. Now, some of these dysfunctional behavioral patterns are fear. Fear is really powerful. 
and Satan uses fear to control you, either directly into you or through people. But fear will just keep you still and will not allow you to move forward into the things that you have to work in your life. Fear is powerful. Unhealthy boundaries, ooh, very important, right? We really need healthy boundaries. And this is something that we see very common in institutions, in homes, in families, everywhere. And we need to work on this, right? Another one, conditions of love. If you this, do this, I will love you. If you follow what I said, I might give you some attention, but that's not true love because the principle of true love is freedom, all right? Emotional abuse. Growing up, I heard a lot about physical, sexual abuse, but emotional abuse, that's something you don't talk about because hmm, it's very uncomfortable, right? Criticism and perfectionism. Ooh, very destructive, dysfunctional behavior. God sliding, extreme physiological manipulation. And I have some handouts here that you can take as a reference that will help you to identify the types of God sliding and some red flags. How to identify when you are getting this extreme physiological manipulation. You know, we all need guidelines, right? We need sometimes direction because many times we're experiencing this extreme manipulation, psychological manipulation, but we don't even know we are being manipulated. And this is Satan's work. He likes to work in your life in a way that you don't know what he's doing with you. And later you feel struggling and you're like, what's happening? Why am I feel so trapped? Well, the reason why I have given you this is because I want you to have some guidelines and be able to identify this. The silent treatment. There are so many dysfunctional behavioral patterns that we can go through, but I selected these five because I believe they are very, very important. You know, especially when you are married and sometimes you have some contradiction, right, with your spouse. And instead of working that, later your husband will be like, honey, and you're like, hmm. hmm. You're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to sit down and talk, be assertive and say, you know what? What you say, the way you behave, right? And sometimes with people, we get this reaction, or oh, actually we do it, you know, we, we go for the silent treatment instead of facing the situation, confronting the person. Confront, confrontation is something that most of us don't like because it's very uncomfortable. It takes us out of our comfort zone. But if we wanna move to emotional, spiritual, healing and freedom, we need to ask God to help us change all this. Right now, before we get, get deep into our friend's story, I want us to look at this very familiar story. And we're not gonna go through the whole story because we know the story, right? The story of how everything began. 
in this, in this world, how sin entered into this world, the story of our first parents. Now, our first parents made the wrong decision, the fatal decision to go against God's word. And they ate the forbidden fruit. And some of the first signs of this, um, of sin in their lives was very interesting. Now God, the first thing that he does is come down from heaven to confront Adam and Eve. And it's very interesting. He asks two different questions, but he's looking for the same result. He goes, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And then to Adam was, what have you done, Eve? Different question, but the same, he is looking for the same result. What he wants is for Adam and Eve to take responsibility on their actions and say, you know what, Lord? We have sinned against you and we have disobeyed. Oh no, instead of that, what they do? Adam, you know, the wife that you gave me, after all, is not that perfect, you know? So she made me eat from the fruit. And then he's confronting Eve and Eve was like, well, the serpent, at the end, she's not the most beautiful animal in the Garden of Eden. Not so perfect after all. They are not taking responsibility on their actions. And they are blaming each other. And they are blaming God. So common to see this dysfunctional behavior in families, in relationships. And it takes courage and it takes humbleness to come forward and say, you know what, Rena? The other day, the way that I speak to you, it was not godly. I ask you to forgive me. I'm taking responsibility on my actions. But if I don't do that, and she comes to me, Martika, you know, I was a little hurt for the way you treated me. I don't know. It's your fault or you're too sensitive. You are too sensitive. Grow up, mature. You know, we need to take responsibility on our actions. So Satan has managed, the sower of evil seeds have managed to build throughout 6,000 years a chain, a long chain of broken, dysfunctional families. This is what he has been doing since the beginning until now. And we need to stop this. We need to get free from this chain. Otherwise, we're gonna be under his control until the second coming of Jesus. Now, let's jump into our friend story. Now, I would like to ask a favor from you. I would like to close your eyes. Not your physical eyes, but your mental eyes.
because we are going to go deep into her story. We're going to look into her family tree and we're going to see some ugly stuff. And I don't want you to focus on her parents. I don't want you to leave from this classroom feeling bitter against her parents. Because remember, they are also part of this, of Satan's work. And we need to see our parents and anyone who have caused harm in our lives with compassion, with love, and with mercy because that's how God sees us, okay? So close your mental eyes, you know? Let's focus on all this. So an exercise that I've been doing with her in helping her to trace back all these wounds is to take a closer look into her family tree. And what we discovered is that on her dad's side of the family, there is a lot of narcissistic traits, narcissistic behaviors. And if you want to know more about this and study deep into it, there are some Bible verses because the Bible is our first book on healing, on mental health. The Bible is our number one. So you will find Bible verses that will show you how narcissistic, how a narcissistic person acts and reacts. And now, on the side of her mom's family, we found codependency. Mm, very, this too, wow, fatal. But this is how Satan works, because he's bringing a broken, dysfunctional person and put it with another broken, dysfunctional person so he can keep building this chain. And from a home, from a mom and dad, what will come? What will be the result? Little links the children. That's how he works. So, very interesting. And we are not going to go through the whole explanation of narcissistic and codependency, but I will give you a very practical explanation. I like practical things. The relationship and the way a narcissistic and a codependent function is like a tick on a dog. Have you seen how they, this, this uh, relationship? It's very interesting. The dog doesn't care if all his blood is been drinking of. He doesn't care. And the tick, you will never find a tick asking a dog, are you fat enough? Are you healthy enough? Because I really worry about drinking all your blood because this is what I'm coming. I'm, I'm drinking all your blood. Oh no, the tick only cares about drinking blood and the dog doesn't even care because they both are broken, they both are dysfunctional, coming back to people, you know? So in real life, there are some tick type of persons and dogs type of person. It sounds strong, but it is real. And the problem is that the codependent sold something really valuable. The um, individuality. 
his or her individuality. And the narcissistic is so um, empty that all he wants or she wants is to feel this emotional emptiness, not caring for the well-being of the other person. So for those who are not married yet and are praying for a life partner, pray, Lord, I don't want to marry a tick, or I don't want to be a tick, or help me not to be a dog type of person. You know, when I was praying for a life partner, and during that time, God showed me many things in my life, and he said, you are a dog type of person. And if you don't allow me to choose your life partner, you're gonna marry a tick. And he's gonna suck all your life out of you. And I was like, wow. So I began to pray and I said, Lord, choose my life partner. Because I know this is how Satan works. There are two specific points in your life when he wants to really pour all his evil doing. And that's when you are born because you are very naive and fragile and when you choose your life partner. If it doesn't get you when you are a little boy, a little girl, innocent, then later on he will marry you with someone who will make your life miserable. And God's plan for you, destroy. That's why we need to choose really wisely because we don't want to keep building this chain. And that's why God is looking forward to build healthy, happy, beautiful marriages. Not marriages that, I, that are surviving. No, marriages that are thriving. So we need God's intervention in our lives. Now, if you want to know more about narcissistic behavior and codependency, I recommend you this book, The Human Magnet Syndrome the codependent narcissist trap. This is not a Christian author, so I will recommend you to read this book with prayer. It is an excellent, excellent tool. It has been a blessing in my life. So I wanna share this with you because we cannot cover everything in this class, but get this book, read it, and ask the Lord most of all, to give you tools that you can use and apply in your personal life, but also use to help someone else because we are missionaries and we are supposed to help others to find the path to forgiveness and emotional freedom. Is Dr. Ross Rosenberg. This afternoon, I will tell you a little more about him. All right. Failed attachment, neglect, vitamin L deprivation. Do you know, have you heard from that vitamin? Oh, we really need it. Traumatized emotional experiences can lead to unhealthy emotional attachment, pathological unhealthy behaviors, such as codependency or narcissism. Now, I don't wanna, I'm not going to ask how many of you fall into this category growing up. But I believe that most of us have a big 
um, need of this vitamin. Very essential vitamin. Yes? Or, or is it the dog? Dog, And the tick is the narcissistic. Yeah. The narcissist draw your blood. You know, everything you have. You know, very unselfishly. And the dog doesn't care. You know? The dog wants this codependency, right? Okay. <laughs> all right. It's a really strong trap. Okay. So all this together will contribute to develop these unhealthy patterns and behaviors, especially mothers who don't have a healthy attachment with their babies after they are born or during pregnancy. All that will contribute for this child to become dependent and wanting love and attention and acceptance. Neglect. When you neglect a little child, there are needs you are transforming this little baby into a codependent or a narcissistic person. And if you don't give the love to this child, same thing. Traumatized emotional experiences, ooh, even worse. So this will help us to understand from where our friend's story is coming from. Now, a real life story. And we're gonna go through some highlights from her story. We are not gonna go through the whole thing since we don't have much time. So, she comes into a family of three. Dad, mom, and their firstborn child. So she's the middle child, okay? She comes in a time where there was no emotional, spiritual, and financial stability. Wow. If you are looking forward to have children, and I know we have to pray about that a lot more these days because Jesus is coming really soon. But if there is no emotional, spiritual, financial stability, especially the first two, very important. Money comes and goes, but emotional and spiritual stability is very important at the time you received your children. So they will have this net to nourish them, to take care of them, their needs. So as parents, before we become parents, even before we get married, we need to work on any issue laid back in our past because that will affect our marriage and later will affect our children. And what we see in the story of our first parents is after the, first, this, the next generation, Adam and Eve's children, our, sister, our brothers, we see how this dysfunctional patterns are getting stronger and stronger in just one generation next, and one brother kills the other one. So it didn't take a lot of time to see all this evil being developed in the life of our first parents. So emotional, spiritual, and financial stability, very important. Now, the mom is not happy about the news, and the reason why is because she feels distressed about being pregnant. Again, are, they're not ideal circumstances. And the problem is that when you are pregnant, all your emotions, negative emotions, stress, distress, you are passing all that to your baby. You are passing all that to your baby. 
But unfortunately, many parents are not aware of this. So that's why I requested to you to close your mental eyes because we are not here to condemn these parents. They are part of this chain and they come from broken homes as well with need, with emotional needs, with emptiness. So now they are parents, but they haven't fixed these issues. And now we see the consequences in this little child. Now, mommy's not happy, but the father is overjoyed. He's really happy for a very specific reason. Mom is overwhelmed by stress. As the pregnancy progresses, she's feeling more stress and she's a full-time work mom. So she's not taking time to take care of herself. Remember, the codependent leave for others. The codependent doesn't have um, identity, doesn't have self-love, self-care. The codependent leaves to feed the narcissistic person and spouse. So she's going through a lot of stress and distress. She puts on more weight than expected. All this leads to feelings of dissatisfaction. When you get pregnant, you need to be ready for all your body changes. And the mothers here will affirm that. You know, your body will change. But some mothers are not ready to experience all these changes. So they feel disgusted about their bodies or they don't feel happy. They feel just all these feelings of dissatisfaction. The baby is receiving all those emotions. 24 week pregnant and her stress levels spike. Now, before we continue, we are going to analyze two important questions. At what age does the belief system begin to be established in a child? Any, any comments? Three years, okay. Zero to three? All right. Okay, well, we have different opinions. Let's see. At what age does a child begin to learn to express emotions and feelings? Okay, let's let's find out. Who would like to help me read? Um, oh, oh, who would like to help me read this? Okay, go ahead. Some say that it is our emotions that make us human, and curiously, these begin to emerge already in the maternal womb. Thus, although it may seem that babies are limited to their physiological needs, the emotional development during the first season of life is crucial. These early emotional experiences will mark your future significantly. Mm. Another volunteer, thank you. Okay. That oh. about others and about the world. This, his perfect perceptions regarding his own growth, sorry, worth, mm -hmm. how trustworthy others are and how pleasant and hostile the environment around him is. Mm -hmm. How his mental map is configured 
through the relationship that the most insignificant people in the baby's life Usually mom and dad. Okay, so a child, when a child is conceived and he, she is growing in the womb, what's happening is like if when you take just a blank sheet of paper and you put it in the printer machine. Everything mom and dad are experiencing, all the emotions, all the surroundings at home, is just printing an emotional map on this child mind. So it's not three years or two years, it's here when the child is, the, 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 um, the belief system of the child is being built, right? At six months in the gestational process, the baby is capable of perceiving emotions such as happiness, peace, fear, Sadness and anger. Wow. Pretty amazing. And we think that children perceive all these emotions when they are two, one year old, and when, when they are born, after they are, they are being born. No, it's before. At six months in the gestational process, the baby is more aware of the sounds, the feelings. Even he or she can taste the mom's food, what she's eating. So everything mom and dad, especially mom, is doing will impact this baby's life. And I, I asked myself while, while I was preparing this, wow, Lord, how amazing. How amazing you created us. How are we able to experience all these feelings? Why are you here? We are just so tiny. We are going to allow the Bible to answer this. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. The reason why when you are in your mom, you were in your mom womb, you were able to experience all these feelings is because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we need to know that very well before we married and before we have children and you know who else knows this the sower of evil seeds knows that you were wonderful and beautifully made and he wants to destroy that the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy that's his work that's his work. He hates us. He hates God's creation. He doesn't want us to re be representatives of God's character in this world. So he's going to make sure he will get to us before we are even born. He doesn't really have to worry about 10, 15 years later in your life. If he can work really faithfully, during your childhood or even before, the work is done. And there are two aspects that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we are going to find out about that in a minute. A baby boy named Jonathan. Let me tell you, I disliked baby gender reveals. Oh, I dislike them so much. But I respect 
parents' decisions. I know this is trendy and, you know, people like to do those things these days. But to me, it's heartbreaking when I see mom, dads, angry, really angry, because they don't get what they want. They were expecting a boy and they're getting a girl. It really breaks my heart because the baby is feeling that. So unfortunately, remember I mentioned that the father was really overjoyed. He was very happy. Well, his first baby was a baby girl, his first child. So now he's really looking forward to have a baby boy. And in some cultures, this is religion. If you're a man, you need to have your boy, your first boy. I don't know what that's going to prove. <laughs> but in some cultures, this is really strong. So he named his baby Jonathan, even before they knew if he was a girl or a boy. And he began calling him since this baby was in the womb. Jonathan, my baby, and he will go and tell his friends, I'm expecting a boy, my baby, my boy. And he bought blue clothing, painted the nursery blue. And he was expecting this wonderful baby boy who would look just like him. Continuing with the story, the date of her birth arrives. Mom goes through a very traumatic and painful, painful birth. Do you know that birth, the way that you mothers deliver the baby will have also a negative impact in this baby's lives? If she goes through a traumatic, painful birth, especially when the baby is pulled with forces or they put pitocina, Pitocin, pitocin, all these hormones to induce the birth, all this will affect the baby. So it's not only about carrying the baby in your womb throughout eight months, it's also the delivery that counts. It has really a, a great impact. That's greatest disappointment. So he's not there to help the mother. He's not there to support her because he's working. So mom has to go all by herself through this pain, emotional pain, distress. And now he arrives at the hospital to expect his little boy, his little baby boy. He walks into the hospital. Honey, honey, where is my baby boy? Mom looks at him. She looks at her baby. And she said, honey, it's another girl. He walks from that hospital without acknowledging her baby girl. He even didn't get close to the bed. Life continues to move on, but the damage is already being done. I would like to ask my husband to open this. And by the way, I'm not promoting Coca-Cola. <laughs> so there were other um, girls in the family? 
Yes, the firstborn child. Was it girl? Yes. So this was the second. Yes. So this is how a baby is supposed to look like when she or he comes to the world, innocent and pure. But unfortunately, the sower of evil seeds managed to plant his first seeds in the heart of this innocent baby. Now this is how she looks like. And she's not even one month old. Don't drink this. It's dead. Death. <laughs> All right. Now, can you guess what type of seed are we talking about? I want a whole choir. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> Rejection. Rejection. Rejection is a kind of seed that has the potential of destroying a life like no other seed does. All rejection is so powerful. And if the sower of evil seeds can manage to plant this horrendous seed in the life of, a, of an innocent child, oh, that's it. That's it. Rejection. Rejection damages you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Now, our little friend has been established on a broken belief system, on a damaged perception and expression of basic emotions and feelings. And we are going to see an example of this. A damaged belief system. A healthy boy, a healthy baby, a healthy person should think, I'm love, right? This is the first feelings when a baby is born. I'm loved by my parents. But a damaged little baby, the way the perception and all this belief system is being damaged is, I'm not worthy of my parents' love. If they reject me, it's because there is something wrong with me. First feelings of, of unworthiness and abandonment. Imagine, it's just a little tiny innocent thing. But even though babies are not able to think all this, you know, and translate all this in their little minds, all this is being established. I'm accepted. That's how a baby should feel I'm accepted by my parents they are happy no matter what if I'm a boy I'm a girl I have dark hair red hair they love me for who I am love is a principle that is being born in heaven that's why we need to ask for that principle because it's not in our lives we need to ask for this beautiful divine principle but in a mind of a broken child will be, I'm unwanted. First feelings of shame. I'm a blessing. A baby is a blessing, right? A new life is a gift from God. But unfortunately, when you as parents, you're broken, emotionally broken and dysfunctional, you are blind. And you cannot see that 
God has placed in your hands a wonderful blessing. I am the reason for my parents' unhappiness and dissatisfaction, first feelings of guilt. This is how guilt gets into your life. Before even you commit a sin, this is how you start feeling guilt. If they reject me, if they don't accept me, if I am not a blessing, there is something wrong with me. I'm, I'm the guilty one for their unhappiness. So you grow up trying to please everyone around you because you want their love, you want their acceptance, and you want to feel a blessing. Oof. I belong. I belong. I don't belong. First feelings of insecurity. Have you asked yourself, why am I so insecure? I'm afraid of everything. Well, probably this will help you to trace back this wound in your life without probably not you being aware of this. So this is a damaged belief system. This is how a, a healthy baby should look like and after the damage is being done. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you remember I told you he's coming after two things? He comes to steal your innocence. And he comes to kill and destroy your identity. If he can get those two, that's it. This is, these are the two things that he came to steal and kill in our first parents' lives. They were innocent, they were pure, and he managed to steal their innocence. And then, their identity. Their identity was based on God, on God's love. But after they decided to disobey, now they don't even know what to think. That's why they began blaming each other and blaming God. Their identity is totally destroyed. The outcome. Remember, every seed will bear fruits unto its own likeness. Don't pretend that if you put seeds of watermelon, you're going to get oranges. It's not gonna happen. So, if you place the seed of rejection in an innocent child, expect to come seeds after its own likeness. <coughs> and we are going to see some of these uh, fruits. Now they are not seeds anymore. I know sometimes we talk about working on our fruits, but on our roots, but I like to go deeper. We need to work on our seeds. We need to identify the seed if we want to work the root of our problem. Negative effects on her physical health. So remember, since day one, her father is not present in her life. And it took him about, I don't know, probably three, four months until he hold her baby for the first time. Later, during her three, three years of life, he was a very busy dad. He, uh, 
he was a businessman, so he had to travel a lot, so he was not there present in the life of his children, but especially on his little girl's life. So this began to affect her physically very, very much. She will get sick every time he will leave the home. She will get high fever, she will get just physically ill, and the mother didn't know what to do and why she will get sick. Dad will come home and she will get healed. Just like that. Negative effects on her mental and emotional health. So remember, this rejected child now is looking, now the seed is producing this evil fruits, right? So she's trying to get attention, she's trying to get acceptance, but she doesn't have the right elements to get this, to ask for this. So every night, she will go having night tantrums. Really, really bad. For about three or four hours, non-stop. Her siblings were going nuts with her. And the poor mother, being by herself at home without any help, she doesn't know what to do either. So, this little girl will get unfair punishment. And again, close your mental eyes. Don't look at this mother. When I looked at this mother, all I see is a broken mother who came from a dysfunctional home, who was emotionally and physically abused when she was a child. Unfortunately, she didn't get the help she needed and she stepped into marriage and now having children and the chain just goes on and on. It repeats itself. Two weeks ago, I was having a nice conversation with my mother-in-law and she was telling me her own experience, she experienced her self-rejection before she was even being born by her mother. Her mother didn't want her since the beginning. She even tried to have those pills, you know, many medical pills to get rid of the baby. And now she suffers from some health issues because of that. So all her life she experienced rejection, rejection, rejection. And we were talking about how hard it is to educate, to raise healthy children when you yourself as a mother, you are broken. You are emotionally broken, spiritually broken. And those issues laid back in the past are not being worked out. They, they are just there, sitting there, and you're just feeling all the symptoms, right? And she told me, when you are broken, emotionally broken, and you carry all this baggage, it's 10 times worse to raise healthy children. And I agreed with her. But I admire, I truly admired my mother-in-law, but because even though she was a rejected child and growing up, she struggled and still struggles with all this baggage, she did a wonderful job with her children. And here there is 
a good <laughs> example of that. So praise the Lord. And she said, she said to me, the only way I was able to raise these children that now today have beautiful homes and love God is because I dedicated everything I had to raise them in the path of the Lord, even though I was not healthy enough to do a perfect work. And she said to me, I'm glad that you, my daughter, because she calls me daughter and I call her mother, you are already working on your issues before you become a mother. Finding ways to soothe her emotional pain and quench her emotional thirst for belonging and acceptance. You know, one thing that this little girl will do, she will walk into her father's closet and she will find her father's favorite sweater. It was a long sweater, like mustard color, with blue and green, um, gray straps. It was very soft, like this. And she will go like this, for hours and hours. And she will smell her father's sweater. This was a way to soothe her emotional pain. She will walk into the laundry room and she will pick up her father's dirty clothes and she will wear them days after days. All she wanted was her father's acceptance. I accept you for who you are. You know, this is the beginning of an addiction. Do you know, do you wanna know how addictions start? It's not just the person one day decide, I'm gonna drink this marijuana or this bad stuff, no. It comes all the way from the childhood. Just a way to, a way to, to find soothing, emotional uh, relief. So you find anything, even though this wasn't her father, the sweater, but somehow smelled like him. You remind him of him. This is the beginning of an addiction and also the beginning of unhealthy attachment, codependency. Finding ways to win her father's love and acceptance at all costs. This is when a person sells his uh, individuality in order to get to this fulfillment, to feel this emptiness. So you don't exist anymore. All you want is to be accepted. So you will give up whatever. Even if it's your happiness, your own well-being, doesn't matter. All you want is acceptance in your life. And this is what she will do. Dad will come home and she will go and prepare food for him, get his slippers, do whatever, because she wanted to be there like, Dad, I'm here, I love you. I want you to acknowledge me. But dad was just too busy to stress out and he will walk to his uh, bedroom to take a shower. And the little girl was there like, no acknowledgement. This, the, all this began to establish more that seed of rejection in her life. Rejection, rejection, rejection. So, so do you want to know why sometimes you forget about yourself? You don't care about yourself. 
all you want is to please others, to keep them happy, probably it's because you have emptiness, emotional emptiness, and you're looking for acceptance, attention, in your own way, of course. Losing control of her own body under situations of emotional stress. This began to go through a, another level. So every time she would know father was coming home, she would get so excited and she would run to the front porch and wait there for her father. And she knew by heart, she knew by heart the, the sound of the, of the engine, but she would know that is coming home. And she wouldn't be able to control her emotions. And she will begin to pee herself, to pee her dress. When you want acceptance in your life, even your body reacts to that. And you are not able to control your emotions. How did the damage that the sober evil sins does in our lives is really serious. Now, all these first codependent patterns and behaviors are more strong in her life. And she's not even 10 years old. Okay. Fruits, roots, and seeds. My friends, don't work on your fruits. Ask the Lord to reveal the seeds that the sower evil of evil seeds have managed to plant in your life. You will be emotionally and spiritually tired if you're working on the fruits. Lord, Lord, take away this anger, this impatience. It's not going to work. Lord, show me the seed of impatience and the seed of anger. Why do I feel this, this way? Let's move on. Let's move on. Under evaluation or low self-esteem, when you are established on a broken belief system, you are blind, and you will perceive yourself and others through these broken lenses, yourself and even God and others around you. Insecurities and fears, anxiety, negative thinking patterns, depression in some cases, anger, uncontrolled crime, abusive behaviors, usually someone who had been abused in their childhood will become an abuser later on in life. Difficulty socializing, learning difficulties, it damages your way to engage in learning processes. It affects you physically, emotionally, and, phys and spiritually. Weak and fragile immune system. Doctor has, doctors have proven that children who experience reject, rejection during their first years of life or emotional damage, now they develop a weak immune system. How our physical health is connected with our emotional health. Addictions, self-abuse, illicit drugs, pornography, sex, alcohol, food, movies, etc. All these addictions have a root and a seed. And the reason or the reason why is because building a life. Can you go behind this backwards? Yes. 
one up there. Building a life on a broken belief system, it's a dramatic, hurtful task. It's just impossible. You can try, but building a life on a broken belief system is just impossible. And this is what God is trying to restore in us. You are moving on into adulthood, carrying a hidden wounded child. And that's the reason why so many adults react in so different ways when you confront them with their own issues. They will get um, defensive. They will make you feel the guilty one. They will use control, manipulation. It's just signs of a wounded child. How many of us have carried a wounded child for so many years without knowing it? And we are, Lord, help me to be patient. Lord, help me to be healthy emotionally. Lord, help me with this. Help me with that. And years praying to God and you look the same. You react the same. And you are dysfunctional as always. It's because you are carrying a wounded child. This wounded child will affect everything you purpose to do in your life. This afternoon, in the next section, we will go through seven steps of how to find mental Spiritual, emotional, healing, and freedom from all this. This is just a foundation. Now we have settled a foundation. And now we're going to move forward into healing. And the reason why I shared my friend's story is because I needed for you to understand how the sower of evil seeds has been working for almost 6,000 years in building Broken, dysfunctional families. But it is time to break ourselves free from this bondage, from this chain. Now, there is a dynamic class that we're going to do, but not in classroom. The first step into healing, into spiritual, emotional, mental healing, it's do this is exercise I call heart searching. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts to see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me into the path, into the journey to emotional, spiritual healing and freedom. We need to search our hearts. And we shouldn't feel afraid of searching our hearts. And we can't do it on our own because if you try to do it on your own, you're going to look, I'm not that bad. So we need God's intervention. So I know we are on a very tight schedule, but I would like you to find a place on campus where you can kneel down, pray to God, and say, Lord, I'm here because I want you to search my heart. I want you to do this heart searching. Show me any tiny little seed that 
the sower of evil seeds managed to plant in my life when I was an innocent, vulnerable child and lead me into freedom. It's important for us to identify these seeds if we want to embrace forgiveness and freedom. There is no other way. We can go around and around, make excuses, try meditation, so many other things. Fasting is not going to work. We need God's intervention. All right? So on this side, you have the exercise is very simple. Identify at least three kinds of seeds sowing, sown during your first years of life. If you can identify one, that's fine. Because this is an exercise that we need to keep doing. This is not for class. This is something that we need to do every single morning. Search me, oh God and know my heart because I don't know my heart but you do because you made me you created me wonderful and beautiful right identify at least three instruments so one is the seeds but remember the sower of evil seeds doesn't work alone he wants to plant seeds in your life so later you will become his worker, and you will be a sower of evil seeds in the life of someone else. So I want you to identify at least three. If it's one, that's okay. Instruments or means the enemy used to plant the evil seeds in your life. Examples of seeds, rejection, abuse, uh, either emotional, physical, sexual, vitamin L, depra L deprivation, neglect. There are so many others, but these are some examples. Instruments, your parents, your extended family, neighbor, a pastor, a teacher, movies, television. He uses everything to get to you. Everything. Right? And bring this this afternoon for our second section of this workshop. All right? So I would like Find your spot, find, find your time. It doesn't have to be 10 minutes, just a short prayer from your heart. We truly need to work on this. We really need to do heart searching because as I mentioned earlier, there is no other way to find healing. There is no other way. And this is a very personal exercise. My husband cannot do heart searching on me. He's not God. He's my helpmate, but he's not God. I have to go to my father, to my God, kneel down and ask him, I need, Lord, you to search my heart because I want to be a mental, emotionally healthy person. God is in need of a healthy person these days. I believe the many reasons why, one of the many reasons why we have this horrendous agenda of gender identity is because many of these children were rejected. How many children are unwanted? How many adults today were unwanted child children? And they grew up not having identity because Satan managed to stolen their 
identity, their innocence. And now they want to change from boy to a girl, from a girl to a boy, thinking that that's going to feel their emptiness and they're going to feel accepted in this world. Wrong. And all this is coming from Satan. He's really destroying our society, our children, our families. And we need to be aware of his work so we can get free from this chain and walked into all right, we're going to close our first section of this workshop, and I would like to invite a very special friend of mine, Mrs. Pulley, if she will lead us in prayer. Yes. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful to you that you are the remedy for a broken world and that in Jesus we can be healed and freed, made anew, that we can be ministers and missions to others. And we ask that you would please heal us. All of us have been, as my husband would say, bitten by the serpent. And we need the anointing of your Holy Spirit, the healing that comes from Jesus. And we ask that you would do that, and we thank you for doing that in our lives, in our ch children's lives, in our families' lives. 